What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. Check, check. Give me some level, Chris. Testing. One, two, 87, niner. Check. All right. Yeah, we're good. We right. are good. What's up? What's up, Dom? Not much. Um, we already caught up a little bit earlier. We did. We did. Had a good talk. We did. And uh, now we're doing this. We are. So a uh, couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned at the end that next podcast, I wanted to talk about a quote that I've been uh, thinking about. And that quote is by good old Theodore Roosevelt. Um, Teddy. Yeah, Teddy Rose. Be it as it may, uh, his quote and a brilliant quote at that is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And powerful words, T Rose. Yeah, good old T Rose <laughs> dropping the knowledge bombs. Um, yeah, uh, I just, especially in this industry that I'm willing to bet that any the two people listening to this are trying to get into. <laughs> What's up, both of you? <laughs> yeah, I wish we knew your names. It'd be a lot more, a lot better. Yes, please email us so we can address you by first name in the future. So it's Frank and Sally. Frank and <laughs> Sally. It's, it's good that our demographics are split down the yeah. middle between men and women. That's yeah. that's good to know. So Frank and Sally. The reason why it's good to keep this in mind is, uh, uh here I'll 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 just we'll try to keep it short to what like our thoughts on this, but I'll tell you my thoughts cool and then just like what i feel like it's really good to take from this cool and just kind of how it applies into what i see in the industry today and you can tell me your thoughts um, i can't speak for frank but i have a feeling he'll appreciate that approach <laughs> well, i'm speaking for sally <laughs> as well so it's i guess both of you so i guess frank is just left out <laughs> sorry frank um so <laughs> I just see this as, for instance, I've done a lot of research of you as you have, right? Yep. Um, and I've heard a lot of people talk and I've heard people who have done some amazing mixes who are using all plugins, you know, and vice versa, mm-hmm. using a lot of vintage mm-hmm. stuff. And both of these people I respect equally as far as their work. I don't know them as a character. It doesn't really matter at this point sure. because I'm just listening to the sonic quality of their, their tracks. Right. But um, if I were to compare the two, it's kind of an unjust and unfair comparison because they both are successful. They're both at least happy talking to someone like Dave Pensado, you know, their facade as a person on media is happy. And, um, I can't say one's better than the other because they are both supplying a demand and doing something that someone loved and that many, many like millions of people probably listen to their work. Right. And, I'm just using the plug-in versus like vintage analog thing as just a little, you know, just to set something down. It's like you, comparisons can be between anything, of course, but right. um, this is just uh, where it's, you can't, uh, I've lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, they, uh, you just go ahead. I, I lost my train of thought. All right. <laughs> um, well, I, <laughs> You said Come back to it. the T-Rose quote is comparison is the thief of joy, right? Yeah, That's exactly. Okay. So I would agree. And the reason I would agree is to me, I feel in my own experience that anytime I've compared anything, I've been let down in some capacity. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, and I think that's why I strive very hard and try to beat my conditioning on a daily basis to not compare things anymore because I just don't feel like there's ever a healthy reason to compare anything. Um, to give you an example, if we're going to talk in the audio realm, then I'll give one that I like for like practical everyday life is, okay, um, a few months ago I had the privilege of shooting out uh, an Allen Smart C2 versus a solid state logic X logic compressor versus the vintage SSL FX FX, or I think it's just the G three eighty four. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I think that's the model. And I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to hear the differences between them, but it brought me to two crossroads when I was done. Um, there was no better and it made me want them all. So it was kind of like, I, I, I thought I was going to go into this quote unquote par- comparison or this shootout is another way we kind of say it in the audio industry is a shootout of two things. Um, and I thought I was going to have a clear winner for which one I liked the best or the one that I thought I wanted to own, but they were all so different. You really couldn't compare them at all. Even though they were emulating the same thing, they had totally different performances, totally different sounds. Um, and in fact, even the way the three of them compressed felt a little different. Do they all have a, a consistency of that SSLE kind of thing? Absolutely, without a doubt. But I didn't really gain anything from that that unit that 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 test. In fact, I sold my X Logic compressor at the time. Uh, right after that, I gave back the 384 and I sent the C2 back to the Allen Smart Factory because I, I didn't really know what I wanted. So for me. The, the shootout even left me more confused. I didn't feel any joy from the comparison. In fact, I think I felt let down because then I injected my brain with all these different ideas of what an SSL should sound like. So to give you kind of like a real world example, um, if I like a song and I say the mix, if it was only mixed like this, like a really cool example of this is the Nirvana track, um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Really interesting story. I'll strip it down to a really quick version. So like this was originally mixed by a oh, guy you were named... Oh, you were hired to mix it originally, but then I, someone compared your mix to... Sadly, yes. <laughs> and my, my mix lost. Uh, Kurt and I were great friends. And it was your uh, thief of joy. It, it was my thief of joy. And now I'm a joyless man to this day because of that. Um, so Butch Vig, um, if you've heard of him, is like Waves actually kind of gave him a couple signature plugins a year or two ago. Uh, very iconic mixer and the very grunge kind of style right so he didn't mix that he did it first yeah he was the first guy to mix it actually so this is where the story is kind of sorry okay keep going then so um when the label went huge or when the album went huge they decided to remaster all the tracks and it got positioned to kurt and the band first and then the label brought in um what's his name andy wallace yes okay so andy wallace is known for using he's got a very clean sterile approach to mixing it's present on all of his mixes but it has that glossy pop top 40 kind of sound so it's very interesting because you can still find the butch vig version which was on the original nevermind album that came out in the 90s and then you can hear the remastered version done in the early 2000s by andy wallace and they are two radically different mixes so by remastered you mean remixed essentially yeah but it it got labeled under the remastered title but they went back to the stems and redid the whole thing and it's brutally apparent because the drum tone alone is 
night and day. The Butch Vig is dirty, explosive. You can tell it's a lot of 1176 parallel compression. It's just grungy as all shit, which it should be because Nirvana was like the inventor of grunge, essentially. Yeah. The Andy Wallace mixes are, in my opinion, not as good if we're going to compare it because it doesn't capture the essence of Nirvana. You know, Nirvana was a very angry, you know, grunge band. And then the Andy Wallace mixes made it too polished to where it actually took away some of the emotion of the track. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you said that, uh, you thought it was not as good because, um, that's, I gathered my thoughts and that's exactly what I wanted to come to. The point is that of course we're always comparing, but by comparison, I mean, let's get away from the negative connotations of comparison comparisons and only talk about what you might like better about something that is already good versus something that might be greater. Sure. You know, cause, um, coming back to what I like to call, a, um, any mix is good as long as you'd rather listen to it than the original stems, Sure, you know, then that's like, you're doing something positive. Right. Like if you show it to anybody and they're like, yeah, sounds better. No matter what you did, even if you turn the song up and someone else didn't know to do that. Right. And people think it's better than it's better. Totally. Um, but it doesn't mean the original stems weren't, were bad. So that's, that's I, cause we're always you know, preferences are always being chosen over things are always being chosen over other things. You're not going to just be like, Oh, they said, don't compare anything. So I'm going to use this digital EQ that stock versus my Neve. I just got like vintage Neve. I just got when I honestly prefer the vintage Neve, but they said, don't compare anything. So don't choose it. Right. You know? So it's like, you can't call the stock plugin that a lot of people are using when they begin bad. It's just, it's a good tool. It's just, you might prefer one over the other. So right. that's my takeaway from this quote is that of course we're going to have our preferences. Of course, we're technically going to be comparing things, but never think, Oh, I'm the best. I'm better than you. Yours is bad because mine is good. It's like your take on it was great. I'm in my heart preferring what I did better because I have my own biases and just understand that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of self-awarenesses that come with why you think something's better and just be okay with being able to say like, I'm biased in my own opinions first and foremost, usually because I'm trying to make my own name for this in this world. And just don't ever get into the mindset of like, I have to think everyone else's is bad to think mine's great. Sure. You know, it's like everyone has, can have a piece of the pie. If you think yours is better then that's great. But don't get stuck with all the like, it's me against the world. It's me in it with the rest of the mixers or something in the world. We're all doing great stuff. Just people might end up preferring my mixes on some things. People might prefer like Andy Wallace's mix. You know, it's a perfect example of what you're saying. They're both great mixes. They're both great mixing engineers. Right. Butch Vig was trying to stay probably a little bit truer to the source, right. which is something that I tend to like to do too, um, depending on what it is. Um, actually, I don't know. I, I've, it goes both ways. It's no, not sure. what we're talking about anyways. No, but, it's, um, it's all subjective. Yeah, it's all subjective. But um, I'm really curious to hear, because it's probably a lot more of like in utero or utero. I don't know how you say utero. it, but yeah, it's yeah. probably a lot more in utero like his original mix, even though Butch Vig didn't mix that record, I don't think either. I don't but, think so. But I, it's probably more of that grungy, like dirtier sound right. than the Andy, because that's inch. I really want to hear that. I didn't know that. It's very fascinating. In fact, there is a really cool video online. I forget the channel, but the guy, he's an older cat. He's probably in his 40s or 50s, and he does like a lot of these mixed diagnoses yeah. where it's really cool, actually. He'll take like several songs by one mixing engineer, and he'll talk about um, the themes that exist in all the mixes, like notice that's, that's really cool. there. Yeah, and what he did, which was really cool, is he pulled up like a Linkin Park track 
um, a Chevelle track, a Stain track, a Puddle of Mud track. And those songs were all mixed by Andy Wallace. And you can hear it's the exact same snare in every single song. It's the exact same kick in every single song. And after watching a lot of Andy Wallace's stuff on Mix with the Masters, Andy has a couple of very signature snare samples that he uses on every record. So you hear the same snare across four different rock genres. And he another big thing that Andy does is chorusing the bass. So like if you listen to a couple Chevelle songs where the bass is the intro, you'll hear the bass has a chorus effect on it, and that makes every record he does. So I thought it was kind of interesting because... That's kind of like, I always like to know what people are doing, what their signature kind of sounds are. And that's what a lot of guys do now. They're sneaking in samples and, you know, triggers and stuff like that as a part of their sound. But like he, the guy, I knew of this a while back and actually heard the two versions. And then it was really cool to watch the video like six or nine months ago because it was like a, a fresh perspective from a mixing engineer perspective of the two songs. And I thought as the video creator thought that the, the Butch Vig version was better because of that. But I think to like end my thought on comparison, it's simply that anytime anything is compared, you're stripping the essence away from whatever it is that you're looking at. And that could be as simple as two different t-shirts you're wearing. It could be two different women in your life. It could be two different mixes that you're working on. Essentially, when you get into comparing, you're judging and you're labeling and the labeling and the judging only kind of leads to suffering being that this is like a spiritual kind of approach to music production. I would say that try to limit your own comparisons to you know, things that only help you grow. If you're looking at one mix is bad and one mix is good or one plugin is weak and another plugin is strong, you're really limiting yourself in your own life and you're setting really bad precedents for yourself because then you're going to go into everyday reality and you're going to say, this person's bad. That person is good. I like this experience. I don't like that experience. And I just don't really feel that's a healthy way to live because anytime we compete or compare, we're essentially creating division in our lives. And, you know, the universe is one. Everything is happening in a singular sense but the more we get into with language in separating things into vision i just feel like that becomes a theme in our life and i just i don't think that's a really healthy approach to existence let alone such a creative and objective process like music and i think if we go in with perspectives and biases sure it's cool to have a signature sound but then that also locks you into a certain way of thinking to where 10 years down the line you're mostly going to be an authority then on that perspective and your your room for growth becomes very limited compared Compared to like what you stick to and kind of live your life by. By ass. By ass. <laughs> indeed. That's how you said it. By yeah. Ass. By ass. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Look up that quote. Yeah. It's great. You don't quote. have to take our word for it. Just, uh, nor should you. I, 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 I challenged the, uh, Sally and what was it? Frank. Frank. Good old to, Frank. Uh, to, uh, look up this quote and like get it in front of your face and, um, or write it down yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy. And, uh, Determine M- your own meaning. Muse you on know, it just, yourself. Yeah, like, what does it, what it mean to you? To you. Like, how does it resonate? Does it mean with anything? You? Do you yeah. totally disagree? Do you right. do you think comparisons how people accomplish things in life and push forward? And you know, like you can have a bunch of your own anecdotes about it. Sure. So just do it. Yeah, that's just our thoughts on it. And I thought it was just a fun thing to bring yeah. up because it's a very anything with art gets compared all the time. You know, like that's like Which a, is the worst in, part a, about in an art. art gallery. Oh, the brush strokes on this is more complex than the brush strokes on that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everything gets gets compared. But you can it was a positive yeah. way of doing it to where like everyone wins. But because you're allowed to have your preferences, you know, everyone like I listen to certain types of music because I prefer it over others. 
I'm right. t- I'm comparing. Right. But I don't think like I. It's been a long time since I've hated music. I don't think I've ever hated a piece of art. Like that's the whole thing. It's like I used to like say, "Oh, I dislike this," but ever since I got into this business, I've been like, "Oh, I I understand where people are coming from now." It's good. Like it's all about understanding and not just blatantly disapproving. You right. know. Right. Like being able to understand, but then just kind of turn your head is a lot different than not understanding and disapproving without even knowing any meaning or intention. So, right. Yeah. No, that's well said. Yeah. I I think the biggest disappointment in in art, and this is what is has always been the case, but it's been really exaggerated in the last twenty years. Is that you know we allow people the opportunity to label judge and devalue the art with their own subjective preferences. And I think that's really unfortunate because I know we've talked about Van Gogh and stuff in the past. You know, there are people in history that have made art because they enjoy it. They don't care if it got recognized, seen, purchased or whatever. And I think now with social media and everything, we're so dependent on, do people like it? How many emojis does it get? How many times does it get shared? What are people saying about it? And then we as creators go back to that art and view it differently based on if other people like it. And I think that's very sad because the creative process and the reason why most people, actors, musicians, athletes, whatever it might be, the process of creating is where things are most empowering. And we give people power over us. My dog is literally trying to get in the door. It's really funny. (laughs) Sounds like a human. It does. Um, But we give people the power over us to essentially tell us if things are good or not. And I think that's very sad that as a culture, we've gotten to that, the social proof thing is everything. And I think as artists, it's very easy to get discouraged and to not want to create as much when you're giving humans there's just the power to tell you, I don't like this, or this isn't good, or your vision sucks, or the mix isn't great. I think that's really detrimental. And I think that if you're going to create what you should, you should always do so without caring what anybody else thinks. If they like it, great, make more of it. If they don't, great, make more of it still, you know, just go with your own intuition and, you know, do what's right for you. Perfect. I think we should leave it at that. Um, It's done. So thank you, uh, Frank. Good question. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, Chris, what are your favorite plugins right now? Oh man, <laughs> I've got a lot. Um, I'm going through this phase actually with my track that I'm I'm testing a lot of plugins. Yeah, uh, I'm demoing a lot of plugins. I've never done that. I don't really believe in it because uh, I just like I like to. If I like it, I'm gonna be pissed that I you know don't have it. Then I'm gonna want to yeah. buy it. I don't want to buy it. So <laughs> I'm demoing a lot. I would say that. I could pick a couple off the top of my head that I couldn't live without, a couple that make every mix, and I'll tell you guys what I use them on, and then if you want to share the same thing. Probably not. I, no? Okay. <laughs> well, then kidding. don't. Don't share the same thing. <laughs> Do whatever you feel like. Um why don't we break it down into categories? I think that would be kind of like a fun thing to do. Okay. Uh, and then we, that would just like, that way we can bounce things back and forth. So let's start with EQ. Um in the realm of EQ, I'd like to maybe split that into two categories and say clean and colored. So okay. for clean, I think uh, the ever so infamous Pro Q2 by Fab yeah. Filter is obviously making every mix. Still up there. Still, no, nothing's ever going to beat that in my opinion. Uh, a second clean EQ would be the Sonics EQ. I like that. Um, it's it's an ear EQ. The graphical design of the Fab Filter is a very visual EQ. So when I want to go visual or I need to find something or see something, I'll go with that. 
The Sonics Oxford? Sonics Oxford does not have a graph on it. Yes, it does. It does not show an analyzer. Yes, it does. Oh, not an analyzer, but you can still see where you're boosting and cutting. Yeah, of course. I never pay attention to the analyzer too much. Like, I'm just like, oh, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I I get it though. Yeah, it doesn't have an analyzer. Anyhow, yeah. yeah. It still has a graphic. It still has like the line where you can see how much you're boosting Yeah, it's still a parametric EQ. Yeah, whatever, yeah. But I think that when I want to see something, I know, uh, you know, visualizers and analyzers really help. When I don't and I just want to grab something and move yeah. it around. Uh, I like going to the Sonics. Um, I think the third one on that list would be the Kush Audio Electra. Very yeah. clean, very pristine sounding. Um, after that, I really like the SSL channel strip EQ by SSL themselves. And then a last but not least EQ would probably be the Universal Audio Cambridge EQ. It's very similar to the Sonics. It just has better low cut and high cut filters. Um, in the dirty realm, I would have to say probably a soft tube trident a range yeah. one of my favorites love that one looks cool too it looks very cool it's very simple to use um it's very unique but it has a very cool tone um on top of that probably like uh, a 1073 by uad or ik multimedia something like that top of that i would go with um maybe something by like dmg audio their equilibrium because it can do api curves neve curves like any curve i want it's just a cpu hog so i don't really use it very often but it is nice to go to when i want to mix and match curves on the same eq um after that like for a broad eq probably a mog eq2 or eq4 can't get enough of mog stuff really love it um, and then a last one for colored, I would probably go in the direction of an API 550A or B yeah. by any any company. They're all the same. I just want the curves. Cool. What about you, Dom? Clean and colored yeah, EQs. Clean. Um, yeah, I just I just always use the Pro Q too. It's like I know there's a bunch of other clean EQs out there that are great. I just don't think it matters enough. I don't right. think people would ever be able to tell that I'm using. No you know, the, uh, the brain works over the fab filter. Right. It's right. like, I just use what I know in that case. Like I know how to cut with it. <laughs> right. That's my cutting EQ. It's almost like cutting versus boosting. Right. EQs. Right. Right. Cause right. like you're not yeah. cutting too much with the trident. No. You might do a little bit of dip, like with one of the bands, but see, um, it's really simple for me. Like, yeah, I like the electro a lot too. I haven't used it as much lately, but, um, then for colored, I have been really getting into the, like we talked about the 1081 style EQs yep. and I haven't really found one that like I really prefer over another too much, but I just really like how the EQs laid out it has high cut filter, low cut filter, at least, well, the original units don't have high cut, but right. the, the plugins that I've been using have, um, and I just really like the points on it. Yep. Um, just, perfectly designed just, well chosen frequencies I just, yeah i just yep. it's classic like you can just boost a little with the lows if you need be the um so the plugin i'm talking about right now is the nomad factory one at least this has it to where i don't know if they they're not classically like this but the nomad factory can change from shelf and boost uh bell bell at the top and bottom um which yeah, you couldn't do 1081s yeah. are always shelves yeah like you 10 could, or 12k usually no the 10 16k the, sometimes no, the 1081 you could switch on top. Of the um, hardware? Yeah, that's really? the whole part of it. Oh. Yeah, the the 1073 is limited. Oh, interesting. Um, I've never owned it. I always thought it, you got an extra mid band. I didn't know you could also change the top too. Yeah, and then unlike the 1073, you can change the the Q of the two mid bands. Oh, that's cool. Which you couldn't do at all with the 1073. Right. right. Um, 
But it's, I just realized this and I never thought about this. Like it's very relatable to the API 550A and B versus like they're, they're three band versus four band. Right. Um, one's kind of can be narrower. You know, the B has a bit narrower bands and um, the A's tend to be a little bit more musical and broad. Right. Um, and then same thing with the 73. It's like people love the mid range because it's very musical and broad. Yep. And uh, I never really correlated that they both did a kind of a similar thing with coming out with one than the other and just adding more functions in the second one yeah in a way that's a yeah. good point yeah i never thought yeah. about that either yeah um but they just they just both have their unique tones for some reason i just like the nevi cues better than the api like i just tend towards that sound more i like a more of that type of like roundness person versus like i love the 550a because it is a bit broader on a good drum bus once in a while mm-hmm. um but I tend to just love the way, like the low mid band on uh, Neve eighty one. Just depending on you know the, all sure. the emulations, kind of sound the same to me. But just the way it cuts, yeah. I just love it. No, it's all source dependent. Yeah. You know, it's like for because I I've, I've never been owned... able to go wrong with it though. That's the thing. Well, you, it's like, you can't no matter yeah. you know that they're always great to have yeah. around. You know, you'll always find a place for them. You know, and it all depends. You know, that's where contrast comes in. You know, if you got a a softer song that has a really punchy low end, you know, you can't beat an API punchy low end at 110 Hertz. But then on the same time, if you've got a, you know, a really cool synth, that's kind of leading the track. I mean, you put that at 3.2 K on the Neve and two dB of that goes a yeah. long way. Yeah, no, they're both great. Um, what about compressors? What do you, what do you use in compressor wise? Um, I don't know. That's, that's where we're talking about where we think plugins kind of they're fall short. So good. It's like, so I, good. I kind they're of like so EQs. I can actually find some stuff from like, wow, this is really helping rock the track. Um, but compressors, I'm usually kind of like feeling like I'm dealing with stuff a little bit, yeah. you know, like, cause yeah. we're fortunate enough to be able to prefer quote air quotes, <laughs> prefer some, yes. some things over the others. We have a bias. Yeah. Yes. Bias about bias. it. But, um, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I don't have every analog compressor in the world. So sometimes I need a flavor that I don't have out of the box. And I'm just fooling myself sometimes when I'm like, I want this sound and I'm going to just try to do it outside the box when I really couldn't get it. But right. I still can't think of something that that's come up with. That would be a good case of when I would need a plugin. But um, like, I don't have very versatile uh, opto compression. Like that Nomad, Nomad compressor yeah, is uh, very clean, kind of like what we're talking about, the CL1B. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that's I really I was actually really impressed by that compressor. Um, I'd say that's my favorite compressor right now as far as like something that surprised me about how useful it was. And right. I just, I felt like I didn't have that in my arsenal. Like I have that Stam Audio LA2A clone. Right. But it did a different thing. It was actually, it was like really smooth and I couldn't hear, like I heard the effects, but I couldn't hear artifacts. Sure. And it was, and it, it was really nice on not low because low frequency material where it starts crapping out a little bit with things, but like things that were mainly like low mids, like low, yeah, low mids and up where it was doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I forget what the, I'll, while you're talking, I'll look up the compressor name and sure. And say it so people can maybe try it out. Sally and Frank, but good old Sally and Frank. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's my answer is that lately that's the one that surprised me with how much I liked it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, uh, luckily, I actually had a lot of trial and error this week with uh, compressors because I was just too lazy to turn on my hardware. And uh, we can talk about this in a minute, but there's a reason for that. And I'm trying to kind of do everything in the box right now before I get to that hardware phase. But I will say a couple that I'm really digging. Uh, one that I own is the Fairchild stuff. Um, you can really go with any plug-in company at that point. IK, Nomad Factory, UAD, Waves, whatever. They're all the same. It's like everyone's accepted that no one's ever going to have one. No. So it's just like, no. oh, they all, they're just, it's just good to have. Because it's just nice. That the, is true. A yeah. Fairchild's clutch. You, yeah. you gotta, you, I don't care. Spend 40 bucks on whatever the cheapest one out there is during a sale. Just get yourself a Fairchild. Like yeah. it's one of those compressors that it, even if you don't compress, and I usually don't compress with it. I just like the tone, you know, there's 12 tubes in those and they really go heavy on the emulation. So it's like, it's just nice to have that kind of flavor. And if I am compressing, I'm doing a decibel, you know, nothing really more than that. Um, I like so, to smack those things if I use it. I don't really smack compressors Cause like if hard. I'm using a Fairchild, like they used to heavily, I mean, obviously you don't have to do what people in the past did, but I love like, cause I feel like they really shine when you really dig into them because that's where you get a lot of the mojo from because they're very right. muse. And so they, they do a thing when you start getting like some higher peaks going into them. Sure. So that's a personal preference of like, I, if I'm going to use a Fairchild, it's because I'm going to use a Fairchild, which, cause I have like some tube stuff out of the box that I would rather use. But, um, yeah, yeah. Personal preference. I think for me, uh, cause I owned a manly very mu for a couple years. I just, they're too limited to where I only totally push different though. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's the it's like what they advertise is like the cheaper modern day reincarnation of a Fairchild model, but it's like that's not the point I'm getting yeah. at. Like what I'm saying is like for me, I don't like how limited they are in functionality. Like some of the new models they're making now have sidechain filters, have you know additional time constant controllers and stuff like that. That to me is very useful. But with owning the Manly for as long as I did. I just didn't find a lot of use for it because I put it on something. It was just too slow and it just didn't bounce back fast enough. Even with vocals, um, it was good sometimes, but it really was tempo sensitive and, you know, material sensitive to where I only used it 20% of the time and wound up selling it. So I think that I use the Fairchild now so lightly because I'm really just getting the tone in a little bit. If I push in too hard, I'm finding that the compressor is not reacting the way I want it to. And then I have to take it off the mix. Um, that being said, another very limited one, which surprisingly gives me no control, but I like is a DBX 160. Uh, I have a couple of these in hardware. I'm, I'm demoing the UAD one right now and I mm. like it. It actually is performing like it does one thing. It just gives you smack and pop and it's yeah. given me that smack and pop. So that's another really fixed compressor, kind of like a Fairchild that does one specific thing really well and you don't really have control over it. Um, in the realm of control, Always we'll go back to the UBK uh, UBK one because uh, it's a great plug in it. It sounds really good and it's got a very dark slushy kind of tone, which yeah. I like. Um, I also really dig the Vertigo compressor by yeah, Plugin that's Alliance. A that's a really good one. It's like a souped up hi-fi sounding SSL on crack with a sidechain filter that I really dig. Yeah, and it's clean as shit, but it's it it does a good job managing and retaining the low end. Yeah, I've been using that for so long. I've just it's like in my brain. Yeah, it's one of my go tos. Um. Another compressor that I've been using a 
lot lately is the 1176s uh, in the box, which I'm, I'm starting to like a lot more, even though I have a pair of real 1176s. It's just quick and convenient. I can load up a track with 10 of them and then just print it down because they're really CPU heavy. And then the last thing is uh, to go back to the Opto thing is probably an LA-2A. Uh, which is just like a decent plugin. I think that everybody should have at least one good Moo and one good Opto, and you really can't beat a Fairchild in an LA-2A. They're all limited, but again, that's the only plugins or compressors I can think of off the top of my head where like I'm only grabbing an LA-2A because I know how it sounds and I don't need to change it at all. But as soon as I need to change parameters or whatever, then I'll look elsewhere for other Optos or other slower compressors that give me attack and release and stuff like that. Well, you also have the soft tube like CL-1B. Yeah, and that to me is that's one of my go-tos and I use that plugin a lot, but that's if I want zero zero tone at all. Yeah. In LA2A, I want yeah. to push it hard, turn the gain up, turn it back down in the mix. The CL1B is more like, okay, do I need to touch? And that's why it's cool like on the track I'm working on now, we actually recorded the singer through a real C1LB. So it was really cool that like I now have the real one going into it and I got to tell you guys, <laughs> that real one sounds like utter butter. You know, I wouldn't want a mono one. I would want two stereo ones if I ever got a pair, but like, yeah, uh, it definitely put the plug into shame the way that it just, it, it was so silky. It brings out the upper mids and the top end, like in a way where the plugin kind of suppresses it and it's just round and gluey. And even with an aggressive vocal, you'd be surprised. It still sounds good. It doesn't sound soft at all. A very versatile unit without a doubt. Very cool unit. Hope one day to own one. <laughs> they're pretty cool but um, yeah in in the realm though dom's got the stam uh audio uh la2a clone i have an airfield limiter which is pretty much an la2a with transistors instead of tubes and you also have attack and release settings though which is amazing that's why i got it yeah because yeah, i wanted the la2a sound without that and honestly with tube gear um in edm i find that it's often too much like it takes because edm is supposed to be pretty bright pretty punchy. you have to use it like sparingly like Very. we'll talk about how i want to use mine yeah type of deal um, yeah whereas like the parallel could be nice that's the whole point yeah. yeah the la2as are great in parallel but the eliminator i could throw that right on the track yeah. and it still retains everything that i want it to so for me it just was a better option i guess you could say yeah Cool. I found that blue uh, Nomad Factory compressor. They have weird names and weird graphics for a lot they of their do. stuff. Like, and their names are like so counterintuitive. Like you would never deduce yeah. a Fairchild from what they have it called. Actually, yeah, their Fairchild's like an FA seven seventy. So okay, one well, of that's them. Not, they that's have a not couple. Bad. It's weird. They have bad. like multiple emulations of multiple. They have like they have two Poltec emulations. Yep. And which are actually good. I like yeah. the Poltex. No, they're, they're decent stuff. Yeah. It's like, they're just graphics are like yeah. subpar to yeah. others. So like visually, which we're very visually, we you know, are. like we like, they to don't see look like things. a UAD yeah. version of yeah. it. They look like, their like their channel strips, their liquid channel stuff looks horrible. Oh, it's terrible. It's just like, you can tell they did not spend a lot of money. looks on the like design. it's from the nineties. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but anyways, that, uh, kind of like, Kind of like C1, C, right? Is it the C1LB or C, C C1LB? I no, CL1B, CL1B, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it, okay. Yeah. Well, that their kind of take on it from what I would I gather is the BT, um, I was on the D, BT compressor CP 25 2S, what a stupid name. BT compressor. Come on, Nomad Factory. You guys make decent shit. Like, why CP2S. are you confusing us like that? It's CP2S. so confusing. Um, and then uh, what I like about it as well is you can switch between peak and RMS on it. And it's really cool. So they basically give you attack and release, peak and RMS. And 
they have like tube emulation in there. I wasn't hearing too much of it. Maybe I just wasn't hitting it hard enough. But yeah. um, regardless, it's like for what it is, it was really smooth and buttery and nice and very versatile for what it is. And uh, I think it's a good opto emulation with a lot of options compared to just having just an LA two way with input and peak reduction or output and peak reduction on it. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And yeah, then um, that's really cool. Also wanted to say that I did find a $40 Alesis, a great shape, $40 Alesis, um, 3630 compressor online. Oh. And which does kind of a DBX thing of like, I have one of those. Yeah, and it's just like They're very cheap. Smacky. They're like 40 bucks. Oh yeah, I've got yeah, 40 yeah. bucks. It's just yeah. like very smacky yeah. like parallel processing city. Totally. Yeah. Um and I was like I was realizing like I don't have DBXs, that's another flavor I don't have. Um and I was listening to the pop on it online and it has like a very just like you know, that smacky, it has like tons, it can do peak or RMS, like right. the DBX. Yep. I do like that yeah. too. It's, yeah. It basically has all the, it's like the DBX 160. It's like Alesis. a souped up 160 yeah, essentially. It's like the yeah. Alesis's version. Like I'm not going to pretend like I can say the exact same thing, but they have a lot of the similar options and they can go very deep with their ratios and also a lot of other stuff. Yeah. They're, just, they're very just like, kind of like a live sound compressor. It can do whatever you want, but it's uh it's will be fun just throwing that on some stuff and trying to do some parallel processing with it and um yeah it'll be cool yeah no for sure so what else what other plugins do we talk about let's cover um how about we'll just lump everything else into like effects so a- any other plugin Ooh, really um, why don't you so just share some of those yeah so uh there's a um oh man i'm so bad with company names that i'm not used to but uh there's a um old lexicon emulation of reverb that i didn't even know do i have it up still no i don't um wish i could remember the name what's a classic lexicon uh like the 224 or the 300 the 224 i think the 224 is the one with like the little remote that comes with it like the button pad and shit like yeah. that's kind of like, like the, the most square one yeah iconic okay lexicon. okay yeah, yeah 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 um and the 300 was like the predecessor i believe to the 224 yeah i think it's the two, it, let's say it's a 224 there's cool. this um gregory scott on ubk was talking about having the trying out the this reverb like an emulation of it and i demoed it and it's pretty good it's really good um cool it's uh I could wish I could remember the name of the damn company. Um but yeah, that was cool. Um I just did a, the reason why I'm talking about Nomad Factory stuff so much is cuz I just did a mix only using them, which I try to do once in a while with my plugin companies to really get to know them. Nice. Because otherwise I just won't, you know. Um and so I did a mix just a practice mix. Yeah. Took spent 3 hours on it only using those plugins and found out which which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. And um, yeah, that one compressor I mentioned already I liked. And yep. then the, their 1080, take on the 1081 was good. But um, also just tried this reverb out, reverb out in the same mix and it was awesome. Um, oh yeah, so I didn't like their reverb very much, like the, the blue verb they have. Yeah. It's really weird. They're really hit and miss with me personally with their stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that Lexicon Reverb was good. I've been using the AMS one by... Uh, I just have the AMS one by UAD on Ascend. Nice. Um, just for certain things. Like the Ambience one's good for throwing shit in the back of a mix. It's very 
obvious, yeah. like, but it, it can really smear things in a nice way. Nice. They're, the ambient setting. Yeah. And uh, it just does something that I can't get with any of my outboard ones, you know? Yeah. So that's, like I said, that's what I look for in plugins to fill gaps. And uh, I always, for my plates and stuff, I always use outboard reverb that I think is a bit more lush and deep. But um, stuff that I want in the back of the mix where people really aren't going to hear anyways and it's just serving a purpose. Like I'll use plug-in reverb all day. And I found that the AMS one does it pretty nicely. Um, and then uh, the EMT 120. But 140? UA, 140, yeah. Because there's the 240 and 140. Right. Yeah, the 140 right. is really nice by um, UAD. Nice. Yeah, those are great reverbs. Um, the, the, everyone loves them. But its problem is it's kind of a one-trick pony. Like, I've, I, it's hard to use all the time because it's, it's a great-sounding yeah. plate, but... I feel like it gets used all the time, and well, it does. Yeah, because <laughs> people a, can't afford yeah. a twenty thousand yeah. dollar real one forty yeah. plate so reverb. So that's a yeah. great one too. Yeah, but, I um, agree. Echo Boy for all my delay stuff still. <sighs> can't beat Echo Boy. I just you it's really just so, can't. It's just the convenience. Like you have that TC. That's a TC, right? TC. Yeah, yeah. you have that old ass twenty two ninety delay, yeah. and it's super if, dope. Of course, it's great. It's just with effects. Like I'm always fine tuning so much. Yeah, and so it's like it's so like convenience factor with effects for me is huge yeah like yeah. i i have all of my analog stuff on a send ready to go in a template because i don't want to have to mess with and all i want to have to mess with is presets mm. i actually want to talk about that um in a second um save that thought what did you have any other plugins off the top of your head before we kind of no, dive into that no it. okay talk about some cool so i guess for effects um I'm just going to kind of lump this into a bunch of plugins I can think of off the top of my head that make every mix and the reason why I like them. So Reverb East-West uh, Spaces, it's a convolution reverb. It's really, really awesome. Uh, you can use any kind of reverb. Honestly, it doesn't matter. The Sonics reverb is great. The R2 is great. The UAD stuff is great. Um, just go with whatever it is you feel like. I like the convolution because it's real spaces, kind of like Altiverb. I never wanted to buy Altiverb because it's kind of expensive. So I kind of wanted that real live room captured thing with real live mics and good preamps and stuff like that. So East West does that for me. A little outdated now, but it sounds good. Um, other plugins, anything by Sound Toys, I don't care what it is. They're all good. They make every single one of my mixes without a doubt. I'll also agree with the AMS reverb. Uh, the the old school one, the RMX series is really yeah. great. I like that a lot. Super cool. Um, I kind of want to throw in some saturation plugins because that's a big part of my effects chain for me. Um, Decapitator. I, I love, well, yeah, like I said, anything sound toys. Just I could just mix with sound toys yeah. most likely and be totally cool. Give me a few EQs and compressors and I'd be good to go. Um, the Kush Audio Axis EQ I really like. It's got a really good gain, and the Kaya plugin's really nice too. Um, I use a lot of the Plugin Alliance stuff, like the Vertigo VSC three, that parallel saturation yeah. unit. That's a really good one. Uh, the Analog Box, the new one by Plugin Alliance. That one's really good. Um, these, the, you were demoing all these? No, I have those. Oh, okay. Yeah. By plugin Alliance. 
they uh, actually gave them to me probably in the last three months. They're cool. They're very cool. Um, well, the only one that the black box. That's yeah, what no, I was talking the, about. Well, yeah, I knew what you're talking yeah. about, but that's I haven't tried that out yet. It's 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 no different. Like it's really it's different flavors. Like right now, I'm demoing the Thermionic Culture Vulture yeah. by UAD. I have the black box. I have the Vertigo, and I have the Decapitator, and then also the free one by Soft Tube. The the saturation plugin is great. There there's really no difference between them. They just do different tones of distortion. So it's like for me, when I I don't like to use one thing too heavily. Like I won't put a Decapitator across multiple buses like i like to just saturate certain tracks like certain source audios so like if one is saturated one way i'll saturate another one with a different kind of saturator so there's different harmonic content blending together that's just kind of my thing i don't like to overuse one plug in the mix uh unless i'm going for that sound unless like less the capitator is like a big part of the tone then i'll probably have 20 instances of it but if i can mix it up with different distortion plugins that's the way i want to go um Spatial uh, stuff is really great at Waves S1 Imager. I've been using that for too many years. I love that. The new gen audio stuff for spatializing is really good. It's stereo widening. Um, that's a cool, cool workflow. And then chorusing and phasing and flanging is really important for me. Um, I couldn't live without my Eventide stuff. I feel like next to Soundtoids, Eventide, having an H3000 at my disposal. I was very spoiled on the last record I made because I got to have a real Eventide H3000 DSE and that blew the plugin out of the water. I can still do effects with the plugins, but kind of like with Sound Toys, um, Echo Boy, Echo Boy is a great delay, one of my favorite delays, but when I turn on the TC, it brings the delays to life and they're it's called a dynamic delay processor. So like with Sound Toys, there's no dynamics injected into it. It's just like a ping pong or a, like a nice no, there trail. Is. That's why you have the different choices of what kind of delay it is. They all sound completely different. Yeah, but I'm saying like the dynamic nature of it, like it, it fades back into the stereo image where the TC electronic, the hardware will literally pop out of the speakers and come forward. Like it's just a different style of delay. Delay, it's like just different volumes <laughs> essentially yeah i'm just kidding yeah, i'm just being yeah, in, in a way yeah. um but yeah i i guess that's my only gripe with with plugins in the in the in the effects realm is they all just sound kind of flat um i do have some hardware that i like to use um, which is really great but uh, honestly, a lot of people can't even hear that kind of depth and most people aren't even listening for that kind of depth. So, you know, using Eventide and sound toy stuff for effects, you know, goes a really long way. And I think that anybody would be really happy. I mean, just the presets alone on the Eventide H3000 and the Eventide H949 harmonizer, I rarely even tweak those. Uh, they sound so good and there's hundreds of presets to choose from. I usually can find something very close. I usually maybe just change the wet dry, maybe automate something and I'm good to go. Um, so yeah, that brings us to what Dom had alluded to before we kind of finish this segment is, do you want to pick up from there on kind of routing and what you were about to share with um your chains via hardware on the patch bay or with plugins and how you kind of approach things with a template based mindset versus a non template based mindset, even though it's not technically a template, we're just going to kind of call it that for sake of familiarity. Yeah. I was talking to you about me doing the nomad plugin mix and saying how nice it was to just have plugins at my disposal to just instantly start messing with stuff. And it made me think about how I don't have any of my hardware set up kind of permanently. Right. And so I just want to start putting, like I have my, uh, my favorite reverb set up permanently. So I just send 
automatically to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's just the, it's a matter of putting up a send, but I want to do the same thing where I just put a certain output and it'll go to the 2,500 or yeah. go to the Neve or, right, you right, know, right. just so yeah. I don't have to think about it. And then it's just the creative juices can continue to flow instead of have to be stopped for a little bit while I patch. So um, what kind of brought you to this? Uh, cause I, I know you said this is something you wanted to start implementing. What, what about your workflow or a roadblock you hit or a creative idea you got from some, what, what made you even want to think to do something like that? It was just how fast I was able to do stuff with plugins. Gotcha. Just like, it was just nice to not have to think about it. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, go down a list. Here's that. Yeah. So I just want it to be, it's going to be even quicker because I'm not going to have a go down a list. I'm just going right. to be like, I'll label my outputs just like you have all yours labeled. Yep. But um, just label it and be like, oh, this is this literally says twenty five hundred. So I don't, even, I don't even have to remember no which one, and then it'll be sweet. And I, that's yeah. a great way to go. I, I, you know, it's funny because I did that for the first couple mixes back now. Wow, two locations ago um, at the uh, uh, Casa de Continuum House with that sweet pool room that we had there, uh, and I actually had hard patch so like one and two were always my dbx's three and four was the elisa's four and five etc and i found that for me it wasn't working for two reasons one i have more gear than i need um so i often found okay i didn't want to use that on this mix i wanted to plug something else in and then as soon as i made that change i found eh, well this really wouldn't work as well with this piece of gear so i should patch this in too kind of thing so it's like i think for your approach it's really empowering because you've got enough gear for enough channels enough outputs for enough, the gear i have yeah. exactly whereas me i don't have enough outputs and that sucks because i have 32 outputs which like, goes to show how much gear i have which yeah. is an overkill to say the least well even if i wasn't able to use which i might still have some gear laying off in the distance right um like for instance i'll i i know for a fact that in a mix i'm always going to want to use the michelangelo in parallel uh-huh. and because i just love what the high filters do like sure. the low filters are left to be desired like i'd rather use the um we'll both have the better maker pull tech yeah, yeah um like i just love the you know the tightness on right. most stuff right. versus the i'm just not a fan of that to be low but low end but i love to be high because kind of music because they're anyways. sweet and they just don't add harshness right. so right. i would use that in parallel as a parallel eq yeah so i'd keep that always plugged in anything that i want to use in parallel that i know i'm 90 percent of the time going to use in parallel like the elisis right i'm going to keep that on there because it's easy i want to just be able to send stuff sure and um some things might be interchangeable but like I want to just simplify my process to where I'm not having to redo everything each mix right? and just leave things plugged in and it's just going to be way nicer. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's going to be powerful for you, especially yeah. with your, and I think that brings us to like something I wanted to talk about was like the power of having limited tools, especially in the hardware realm is you can buy a lot of people these days are so affordable now an eight channel interface, you know, and have two or three choice pieces of hardware, leave those patched in all times. That's really powerful. Cause it's like the way that I've been working for a while and I kind of deviate from this sometimes, but I always wind up going back to it. Yeah. I take a long time on my mixes, you know, that's why I don't really get paid by the hour very much anymore is cause like I really am doing a lot of experimenting and messing with stuff to where I try to get things sounding as good as I can in the box before I run through the semi mixer and through hardware. I always wind up using a ton of hardware just that like having fun with it. And to me, I, I like the experience of touching the gear, but 
like with the mix I'm working on right now, I love how convenient it is that everything is in the box. When I run on a CPU, I print my layers down and I just keep running plugin after plugin after plugin. Um, and it's cool because I've got a lot of tracks. You know, my projects are usually pretty big, especially with my own songs. It's like 240, you know, digital tracks. So like, you know, with one interface and limited CPU working at a higher sample rate, I've got to bounce a lot, which is okay because it gives me a chance to let my ears reset, jump over to Spotify, work on five or 10 layers at a time, print those down. Down, go back to the beginning, listen to the mix, see, like, okay, did I make good decisions there? Okay, now that that had this plugin on it, what does this need to kind of contrast it? And it's really nice. Um, it's empowering. Like I was saying in the last podcast, you know, working on production more right now, and I'm still in that producer mindset and not even having to think about the gear. But I think for me, it was very hard for me to have dedicated chains. If I had an SSL board, and that's the only reason I've even considered it, but I don't want to spend the money, man, I would love like an 80 channel console to have all my parallel chains dialed in at all time and just yeah. ride a fader to push harder into stressors. Oh man, that would be so cool. And the reason why consoles like say what you will about their sonic quality and stuff but consoles for me they would just be it would be amazing to be not ever have any latency issues oh yeah because um sometimes like this is a situation where we can hard patch stuff from our outputs into a piece of gear and then right. into the burl right right and right. then that's one set of uh that's one path right that we can go do it right but then i also like using the io plugin sometimes because i want to be able to use an analog piece of gear before an eq or sure. in, like in the box eq right so then if my latency compensation isn't working well enough in the box like with that io plugin right then if i'm paralleling that with something that's just being patched directly from my output into the right. compressor than the burl right like it starts getting phase issues right and so that's something that if i like if i really want to use a lot of parallel stuff like i have to think about it and only use the hard patches out of the burl so everything's taking the same distance of path and the computer's right. not having to do any weird compensation and then everything will be lined up but in the console you have so many oh like a nice console you have a ton of buses yeah. and a ton of stuff where yeah. everything's all taking the same path and it's going to be come arriving at the same time to where you can parallel. You can just try parallels out without ever having to worry about technical difficulties. It's so nice. And um, after watching all these big guys yeah. do it in their videos, I'm just like, they push a fader. Nope. Don't like that compressor. Yeah, nope. Don't exactly. like that compressor. And I'm like, Oh my God, Everything's how cool up. would that yeah. be? Yeah. Everything's hooked up and yeah. they know. Ex yeah. They the can price you get for an extra $250,000 yeah. of investment into your studio with cables and patch bays and a board and all the snakes and everything. Yeah, no, that would be an awesome way to work like now I, I try to replicate that by you know running things through subgroups and mixing into compressors and stuff like that but it's still not really efficient i think for me it kind of boils down to one thing this might be a good just ending note for today is like you know it's your process like for me yeah I, i'm not about doing things fast i don't think need things done yesterday like a lot of clients will say hey i need the mix today i'm like i i can do it if you want but It'd be better if I could take a couple days, Meridine and my decisions, my, my make sure. My run a little slow. Right? I can't give it to you right? today. Right, <laughs> right. And I mean, it's just like we live in this instant gratification. Everything needs to be done now kind of thing. Like my mixes for my own artist stuff, I take my sweet time. I mean, they, they take weeks, if not a month, and I could care less because I am having so much fun. I am like making sure I come in the next day. I made objective decisions, never printing my stuff down until I hear it 24 hours later, then starting the session by printing and moving forward. And to me, I just like that way of working. 
Uh, I'm just more about being present and it's not about the end result of making the song. It's the process of, you know, how enjoyable the song is. And then I get to restart that. So I guess I'm just not in a rush. So that's kind of my own personal workflow. And I think with plugins, I will say on the times I do need to be in a rush or I need to work quickly, man, the in the box stuff is just so powerful. It's so fast. It sounds pretty damn good. You can't beat it. And you don't have to mess with patch blades and patching gear and left side being off from the right side and biasing shit. And it's, it's, it's nice. It's very nice. I've never had to bias shit, but I have, I work a lot in dual mono. So there there's my, my channels, like when I'm pushing into 1176s or something that's not linked, I'm always having to like pull up spectrum analyzers and see like how far gain wise my left channel. Oh, is that's not biasing. Right. But I get what you mean. You, know you mean, I mean volume matching left yeah, and right. Yeah. Biasing is way different. Yeah. Obviously, that's internally with the circuits yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's that's like amp stuff. Yeah, but yeah. um, okay, yeah, that clarifies it. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got something from what we talked about. I was I don't know what we just talked about, but hey. The moral sure, of the story sure is amazing. Don't lose your joy. Yeah. Don't let your joy be thiefed. Indeed. Sounds good. All Later, right, Sally and Frank. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you. <laughs> They're actually my mom and dad. <laughs> oh, cool. Hey, Dom's mom <laughs> no, and dad. I'm glad mom, you guys enjoy the show. They are not named Sally and Frank. Oh, they're not? No. We, we're, they're too high profile for us to use their real names on the show? Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Right. Peace out, guys. Bye.